Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and a warm welcome to the presentation of our half-year results for 2010. My colleagues in Group Executive Management will assist me in taking you through our presentation before we turn to any questions that you may have. And the key question is, of course, how is the results of Evan Smith and our customers in close cooperation fighting our way back through the aftermath of the global financial crisis? And the short answer, not too bad, because we have achieved a sharp increase in our order intake, and this is across the board. It is up 45% from the last quarter. It is up 127% from the first half of last year. At the same time, we have reduced our orders on hold by approximately 1 billion Danish kroner, now down to 1.5 billion. This is exactly as we predicted, that these orders would gradually be coming back on track, and that's what we now see happening. We have found it necessary to upgrade our expectations for both revenue and results for the full year. And it is especially positive that the gross margin is higher than last year due to improved order execution and also to a changed product mix. Thereby, the EBIT ratio is also within the guided range for the full year, between 8 to 9 percent, and on par with last year, in spite of a slight reduction in the turnover. We continue to have a very satisfying cash flow from operations and also a reduced working capital. And as a consequence of all of the above, we have a continuously stronger balance sheet, which is giving us full freedom to navigate among the opportunities in both our industries. And these opportunities in the markets are not too bad either. The increasing optimism that we've seen since beginning of the year has increased further through the second quarter, and it has now been transformed into an increase in investments. This is in spite of any regional worries about stability of the eurozone, about global credit crunch, and maybe a temporary slowdown in China. Apparently, our customers are more looking at the long term and converting uh, their optimism into investments. This is especially the case in minerals, where we see, where we see a very high proposal activity within such minerals as coal, copper, gold, and phosphates, which are all key prioritized minerals for Effelsmith. In cement, the proposal activity continues to be high in India, especially Indonesia, South America, and North Africa. And now our CFO, Paulik Tofte, will convert these market developments into numbers.
we, we do one more drill down in the in the numbers. Um, um, first slide, the revenue and, and gross profit. Uh, revenue is down 13 percent compared to the same quarter last year. It's no surprise. Uh, it's all because we had the very low order intake in 2009. So it had to come down, and uh, now we're seeing it. The good news is that the uh, contribution margin is up uh, significantly due to this uh, improved order execution and, and product mix. Uh, we have some uh, tailwind uh, because of the, of the currency, about 4%. Our fixed cost and EBIT uh, ratio, well, our fixed cost SGNA, as we call them, are up mainly because of uh, currency, but also because we are investing into uh, new orders. Therefore, the ratio is up. Uh, the EBIT ratio, however, is the uh, same level as last year. So, um, so far, so good. On the order intake side, uh, we have seen a significant increase. Uh, as you can see on, on this graph, actually, uh, the numbers have been tripling from 2.5 to 7.5, uh, comparing quarter with quarter. Uh, backlog is up to uh, even higher than the same level in the same quarter last year. And uh, orders on hold, good news. Our customers uh, seem to be able to get uh, funding again. And therefore, the orders on hold is down by 1 billion uh, Danish kroner. Cash flow has been a priority for quite some time and uh, still works very fine. We had another quarter with uh, good uh, positive uh, cash flow from operations. And uh, once again, working capital very close to zero. And it's all, all also uh, reflecting uh, this uh, very low working capital that we're beginning to see uh, prepayment coming in again as we see the order intake. Our, our strong financial platform has been uh, demonstrated again. We have about uh, 1.4 billion net cash, so we're cash rich. Um, we expect to... Um, increase our CAPEX, uh, actually in investing about 50% more than our previous guidance, uh, we believe, in the future. And we think, uh, in particular, in China and India, there are some um, good opportunities uh, for expanding our, our operations, and um, uh, we feel very confident that the, this is where we, we're going to see in investments. Equity ratio is up 33%. So all in all, we are gearing up to... Um, a growth again, and uh, we want to be able to uh, to have a, the, the first mover advantage. Then uh, turning to uh, Mr. Huno Rasmussen again on cement. A closer look at our segments and first cement, which continues to be our biggest segment, which is approximately one-fifth bigger in turnover than minerals, but not for too long because the order intake in the first half of this year was 7% bigger in minerals than in cement. In cement, we saw in the first half a very positive development, the order intake up by 133%. At the same time, we've seen an increase in our contribution ratio, again due to better order execution and the changed product mix, where we see an increase in some of the product companies with high-margin niche products. We knew already at the start of the year that the revenue would come down because of the lower order backlog going into the year, and thereby, of course, also the 
EBIT result down due to the lower revenue and operational gearing. One of the reasons that made it possible to achieve a satisfying result of half a billion in cement for the first half of this year is the fact that we last year adjusted and reduced our employees in cement by approximately 8%. The market activity in cement is generally improving. This year, we expect an increase in the global cement consumption of 4% on average outside India, 7%, sorry, outside China, 7% if we include China. And we expect this year that the cement consumption will increase everywhere except for three areas, and that is Western Europe, it's Australia, and it's Japan. And we never anticipated to build any new factories in any of these places anyway, so this is not negative for our business opportunities. Of course, financing is still an issue, and thereby also a continuing price competition. But there are always local opportunities, and since Zephyr Smith has a stronger global footprint than any of our competitors, we are in a strong position to pick up the local opportunities, which we at present see primarily, as mentioned, in India, Indonesia, South America, and North Africa. Both revenue and EBIT, as expected, down by approximately one-fourth compared to last year. We've seen an increase in the order intake, which is the positive news of today, and this is also in the unannounced orders, those that are below a contract value of 200 million Danish kroner. One of the reasons being the uh, boom in India, which is playing an increasing role in cement, and this is, as mentioned, a place where we have a strong position, but there's a tradition in India that the products are typically broken down into smaller packages, and therefore they do not appear as typically as announced orders. We also see more unannounced orders in customer services and in the product companies. It is especially positive to see the growth in contracts within operation and maintenance, which is demonstrating that here we have a full acceptance in the market for this activity where we are the only player among all global OEM suppliers that offers this service also. And it should be noted that with an increasing content of O&M contracts uh, in the backlog, which will last typically for four to five years, we will see also an extended conversion of the order intake and backlog into the revenue. Cement order intake up 168% from the second quarter last year, which was rock bottom at the global financial crisis. And the backlog hit the low point during the crisis in the fourth quarter last year, but has now increased after two consecutive quarters with growth 
approximately one-fifth from the bottom level. The announced orders in the first half are all, apart from their size, important for other reasons as well. The contract for Heidelberg in India is our first so-called full-scope uh, cement plant in India and our biggest contract in India so far. The contract for Water and Tim in Brazil is an important breakthrough for the market leader here at the beginning of the new boom in Brazil. The contract for Cartage Cement in Tunisia is an interesting opportunity. Again, a full-scope contract and the first time where we simultaneously with the contract for the new plant signed an O&M contract for the operation afterwards. Also, together, a contract of 1.3 billion Danish kroner. We've seen, as already mentioned, an increase in the O&M activities, a handful of uh, large contracts in the first half of this year. And also within services is the project in Uruguay for one of our traditional customers, NCAP, which is a major rehabilitation of an existing plant. In talking about services, I will turn over to my colleague, Garne Molke, who recently moved to Chennai in India, a very important country for us, the second largest cement market in the world. But in addition to being an important market, it is also for Eiffel Smith, our global back office for all standard order engineering. And most recently, it will also be our center for additional in-house manufacturing, where we will be establishing a second leg uh, in addition to our manufacturing focus on China. And this is the responsibility of Bjarne Molke, the country head in India. In addition, he continues to have the global responsibility for all our service activities, and we will start with cement. So over to you, Bjarne. Thank you. And after a slow 2009, when it comes to order intake, especially in the first half of uh, 2009, uh, we now see here in 2010 again that customers uh, start investing in uh, maintenance, in spare parts, and in upgrade projects uh, for their cement plants. At the same time, we are seeing increasing interest from the market towards operation and maintenance, the new business area we call O&M. So after a strong first half 2010 in O&M, the O&M backlog shows a level of more than 2.5 billion DKK, as it appears from the slide here. Intake in custom services cement in first half 2010 is 3.8 billion, billion DKK, much higher than last year. When it comes to revenue, it is good to see in Q2 2010 that the revenue is up by 8% compared to uh, Q2 2009. And by this short note about customer services in cement, I will turn the mic to my colleague Christian Jefsen on minerals. Thank you. And uh, with respect to the overall business activity in the uh, minerals uh, Leg within FL Smith, uh, looking back at the first six months of 2010, it's, it is safe to say that uh, 
the overall business environment uh, improved uh, considerably within the market we serve. Uh, our customers enjoyed an increasing demand for the different metals and minerals out there, supported by uh, an increased uh, uh, and hopefully a sustainable uh, pricing level. What that meant for F.L. Smith was uh, uh, giving us the ability to, to convert uh, a portion of our historic high inquiry list into uh, firm orders. And as you can see from the slide, the, uh, the order intake for the first six months of 2010 is uh, more than double up compared to the same period in 2009. And if we isolate uh, Q2, you realize that the, uh, the bookings in uh, the order intake in Q2, uh, Q2 uh, uh, two was uh, tripled compared to the same period in, uh, in 2009. Interesting to note that the, uh, the overall order intake uh, stands at 6.5 billion kroner, which is actually more than we booked in the entire fiscal year 2009, which goes to show that um, the market is alive and, and kicking. Um, that also gave us the opportunity to further reinforce our backlog that compared to begin the year, uh, 2010 is now up with uh, 34%. If we look at the uh, profit and loss account, uh, starting out with revenue, uh, we uh, took 4 billion uh, kroner out of the backlog and mirrored that through the, the top line uh, known as revenue. Uh, compared to the last period uh, or same period last year, revenue is down with 6% as expected, explained with a lower backlog uh, entering uh, 2010. The good news uh, is uh, the contribution margin that now stands as a, at a healthy 25.6%, uh, up 3.6% points uh, compared to the uh, uh, same period in 2009. Again, uh, due to better order execution and um, changed uh, product mix. Uh, similarly, as the revenue is down, so is the uh, earnings before interest and tax, uh, measured in a nominal number here, 345 million kroner. As a relative uh, measured here in, in uh, EBIT, the ratio, it's actually up compared to a, a similar period in 2009, standing at 8.6%. Uh, and uh, if we adjust for the uh, famous uh, purchasing accounting, it now stands at 9.7%. And again, if you look isolated at the uh, performance in Q2, uh, minerals delivered 10.1% up compared to the 9% uh, in 2009. If we look at the uh, overall business environment, uh, also here it's, it's a pleasure to report back that the market sentiment among our customer base continues to improve, both in terms of the overall product uh, activity, uh, but also and predominantly in the, uh, in the aftermarket, the, the customer service side of the, uh, the business. Having uh, realized uh, the first six months and knowing what we know going forward, it's, it's also safe to say that uh, we expect our customer base to increase its investments in the foreseeable future. And as such, the investments of the CapEx uh, within the market we serve was higher in the first half of 2010 compared to 2009. And uh, based on dialogue and announcement made by our customers, uh, we understand that uh, 2011, in terms of CapEx, uh, is, is going to exceed uh, what we expect for 2010. That's subject to, uh, of course, a uh, stable uh, environment in terms of investing in uh, those long-term assets. We can validate that outlook and those comments by uh, the fact that we still continue to entertain a very high proposal list. The dialogue that we have with our key customers are increasing. 
And that's supported by the fact that uh, many of our customers recently announced uh, earnings also that were very strong. They are all uh, they all have very strong balance sheets, and they have shown very strong the very strong ability to to generate cash. All in all, I mean, uh, we, we, I confirm the fact that uh, the market uh, looks good, the dialogue is there, the inquiry list is high, and it's not just only our products that we are entertaining. We, are, we have been successful uh, going to the market, uh, trying to promote everything from products, uh, product islands, uh, bundling uh, to complete uh, systems. And that in, is in particular within coal, copper, gold, and phosphate. That's what we saw in the first half of the year. That's what we also expect to see in the uh, latter part of uh, 2010. In terms of the announced orders, uh, as you know now, I mean, Q2 was very busy. For the year as such, or for the first six months as such, we announced ten major orders, two in the first quarter and eight in the, uh, in the second quarter. Also worth noting here is the amount of unannounced orders. There's a combination of products and uh, also here the, uh, the after, uh, after market activity confirming the recovery in the demand and the increasing utilization in the uh, in the mines that we uh, that we serve q2 as you can see stand alone uh, delivered uh, uh, 4.2 billion corner and if you look at the uh, announced orders i can uh, confirm that this is the highest number in the history of Smith minerals close to two and a half billion corner announced in one quarter uh, alone that, of course, uh, as I said before, improved our backlog that now stands at uh, 11.7 billion at the end of June, which is bringing us back to a similar level uh, in the good years uh, 2008. In terms of uh, the announced orders and where they are to be found on the globe, uh, it's worth noting here the, uh, the overall activity within coal handling, in particular in uh, India, that supports the uh, continued demand in India when it comes to uh, coal-fired uh, power plants and the need to further build out the, the, the power infrastructure in the, in the uh, growing economy here in India in particular. The other one that is noth- one, uh, to note here is the uh, materials handling uh, contract we, uh, we uh, succeeded to obtain in uh, Jordan, supporting phosphate, again uh, supporting uh, fertilizer and the ever-growing population around the world. So also a market that we expect to see more going forward. Combine that with um, two gold orders in uh, Canada and Russia, uh, copper in uh, Canada, in the U.S., and in Chile, and in the Middle East. Least and not last, a cement order in uh, Kuwait. All those uh, those tens orders announced uh, uh, gave us a, a booking of uh, around three billion kroner, and as you can see here, the distribution of those three billion kroner when it comes to product type tells you that we were extremely busy within the separation, i.e., flotation, sedimentation, and filtration, which is downstream from uh, comminution, and also very active uh, in material handling. That we have been telling you all along that this is the growth area within the uh, the minerals act- activities. One-third of the three billion uh, came within materials handling. And then also a, uh, we are starting to see uh, more and more activity within comminution, i.e. crushing and milling, supporting some of these uh, major flow sheets. In terms of uh, the type of mineral, uh, as you can see on the, uh, on the chart, uh, copper is now back, uh, leading, uh, leading the game, as we have seen in, in, in years past, and now also supported by um, 
the high activity within coal, uh, as I said before, predominantly in, in India, and then the big phosphate order in, uh, in Jordan within industrial uh, metals, and least not last, other base metals uh, typically, and uh, precious metals, 15%, in this case, uh, gold. And this is the picture uh, that we, we, we expect to see uh, in the remaining of uh, 2010. Having said that, uh, I'll turn back the floor to Bjarne with respect to the uh, aftermarket activities. Thank you. As in cement, our customer service business in activities in the mineral segment also enjoy the effect of customers now again starting spending money on maintenance and spare parts, etc. The intake in Q2 2010 over Q2 2009 increased by 28%, and from first half year last year to first half 2010, we saw an increase on activity of 51% to 1.6 billion DKK. Revenue is up 66% quarter to quarter, and also in minerals we have increased focus on operation and maintenance, and today run uh, maintenance on four plants. And I just need this one. Turning to our fiber cement business, Sembridge. Sembridge is uh, our business within building materials uh, and holds a position as number two in the European uh, fiber cement industry. The product range is roofing sheets, uh, big and small sheets from uh, corrugated sheets to uh, slates, roofing slates and flat sheets for facades and internal use. After a uh, Small Q1 due to an unusually strong winter all over Europe. Uh, second quarter showed good demand in most of the markets and segments we focus on. Turnover is now in after first half of 2010, uh, 13% higher than the same period last year. Better product mix uh, support margins, which again all made us back in black after second quarter. Cost is under control and number of employees are lower than last year despite higher activity. And outlook uh, all in all seems to be more positive and demand is slowly starting to be better in the Sembrick business. And by this I turn the mic to Jan Hunger Rasmussen. Sorry, history is always interesting, not least the very recent history, such as the last quarter. But the future outlook is always more important for a company. And fortunately, the outlook for Eiffel Smith for the near future is bright. And this is why we have upgraded our expectations for the revenue for this year with 1 billion kroner. And since we maintain our EBIT ratio guidance between 8 to 9 percent. This means, of course, indirectly also that we increase our guidance for the result with 80 to 90 million kroner. And we repeat that the order intake in this year will be higher than 2009, although we don't quantify the growth at this stage, and we can't predict the exact order intake in Q3 and Q4 because short-term variances must always be expected. But most important of all is not 
the rest of this year. That is the outlook for the coming years. And fortunately, the outlook there is also bright. Before that, I'll just uh, specify our guidance, which is unchanged as far as the uh, overall cement market activity is concerned, 50 million tons of new capacity, unchanged EBIT ratio and tax rate, but the increase of 1 billion in turnover. And then we increase our investment level for this year. In addition to acquisitions, we are looking at now investments of 600 million kroner. Reason for the growth being investments in service, so-called super centers, in strategically important locations such as Australia and South America, where we will open service centers 24 hours, seven days a week, where we will locate regional inventories of critical spare parts to reduce the lead time to the customers. We will set up facilities to service equipment for the customers, which means we can repair with a short-term notice. We can give advice on a day-to-day basis. And we believe that these centers will boost our service activities in general. They'll be placed where we see clusters of key customers. We're also expanding, as already indicated, our in-house manufacturing It's known that China is the most competitive manufacturing country in the world. Uh, Maybe it's not that well known that India is number two on the list globally and expected to uh, narrow the gap to China over the coming five years. And therefore, we have considered it prudent to establish a second strong leg for our in-house manufacturing in India. And that's what we are progressing with this year and that is also reflected in our increased investments. We've split the increase in revenue on cement and minerals, whereas the revenue in separate is expected as previous. As said, most important is the longer-term outlook, and fortunately, this also looks very bright for F.L. Smith due to continuing very strong global drivers, the urbanization and the industrialization in developing countries, where we now have two-thirds of all our activities in emerging markets and 28% in the BRIC countries. We therefore also maintain our long-term guidance for our financial targets, EBIT ratio of 8 to 9 and 10 to 12%, depending on whether it's periods of low or high activity. So, in conclusion, we see that the future is back with a sharp increase in the order intake, particularly in minerals, which is confirming our strategy to have expanded considerably in minerals. We have upgraded, as mentioned, our full-year revenue guidance and thereby the results also, and As a result, we also see a continuing stronger balance sheet, giving us full freedom to navigate and exploit the considerable market opportunities that we see. And with that, we'll be happy to take any questions that you may have. Please.
Thank you, uh, Daniel Patterson from SCB and Skilda. I have two questions, please. Um, first of all, it's a little bit technical, so I think it's for the uh, CFO, Mr. Tofty. It looks like there is a uh, fairly large change in the provisions when you look at the balance sheet and the cash flow statement. Of course, part of this, I must assume, is the, the settlement that, uh, that you did in the second quarter. But even adjusting for this, it looks like there could be some 150 million of a provision reversal. Uh, is that true, and has that boosted your margins in the second quarter? There, there are various uh, small items going into to this um, this amount that you're mentioning there, and it, it has not uh, boosted our profit, but it has um, um, been cash paid out. So there's no P&L impact. No P&L. Okay, thank you. Um, the second one is a little bit uh, broader, uh, looking into the second half, I guess. On, on one hand, you're saying that the outlook in minerals is, is strong, the sentiment is good, and there's also opportunities in cement. Uh, yet the last couple of months, the order flow has been somewhat uh, subdued, uh, and we're also seeing some jitters out there, uh, sort of on the macroeconomic scale. Could, could you give us a little bit of flavor here? I mean, how comfortable do you feel with, with the second half? On orders. As uh, already mentioned, uh, we um, you have in our business to be very careful uh, predicting on a quarterly basis uh, because we talk about uh, contracts to be executed over two, three, sometimes four years, and um, the decision making for our customers is a long process also. Um, so what we try to do, and, and uh, which seems most prudent, is to predict sort of a, a yearly basis, and, and we don't uh, give uh, guidance for coming quarters, um, and uh, it's not possible for us to do it in a, in a realistic way. Uh, I can uh, give you some indications, uh, which we uh, rely on also. Uh, one indication being, for instance, in cement that... Um, we have a considerable uh, hot list for uh, potential uh, projects. But um, that is not to say that they are going to be transformed into contracts in Q3 or Q4. It could be Q1 or Q2 next year. We don't know. There are always uh, um, situations where sometimes their projects are accelerated, uh, but more often uh, decisions are delayed. Uh, many um, reasons can delay uh, a project, authorities can delay um, uh, granting permissions, um, there could be a, an additional uh, feasibility study within the customer organization and so on. So we can never know for sure when a project will go ahead and that's why we are very cautious. What we are um, more prepared to predict is the, the longer term view. We see the fundamentals are strong, our customers are more optimistic uh, on the longer term, and therefore we are not so concerned with whether we see fluctuations over a quarter or so. Maybe Kresnefsen can add something on the minerals. Yeah, just to basically confirm what, what Mr. Rasmussen said, I mean, the, uh, the good news, and as we've said for the last couple of times we met, that the inquiry list is very high. I think I mentioned that the first time, probably end of 2009, and you saw how long it took until it actually materialized, uh, particularly in Q2 2010. So the timing of same is, of course, very difficult. But uh, 
And you look at the customer base in mining, they are, uh, for the time being, uh, looking at the same drivers as we all do. And it's safe to say that they are a little more cautious than they were maybe in the first half of 2010, but definitely uh, bullish when it comes to the medium and long term, depending on how you define that. And as I said initially, I mean, we, we have a, many, many meetings, dialogues with, uh, with our customer base, but the sense you have is that uh, they, uh, they, uh, their investment plans and when they execute them are indeed subject to the current business environment that, as we all know, is shifting on a daily basis. But the long-term uh, outlook is, is very healthy within the mining sector. Okay, um, Kenneth Leiling from Danske Markets. A couple of questions. I mean, first of all, in the uh, in the two divisions, how do you feel about gross margins, so to speak, above 25 percent? I mean, is that is that sustainable in in your view? And basically for both divisions, and then also to follow up on on the mineral side of the business, the slowdown you've seen here in um, in the third quarter in terms of new order announcements. Do you, do you feel that's due to the summer? Do you feel it's due to the China concern that, that emerged, increasingly emerged, or, or what sort of your thinking on, on, on that? Thanks. Generally, on the uh, contribution margins, um, the, uh, the present level uh, is uh, sustainable uh, in the sense that uh, we are not in an extraordinary uh, half year or, or quarter. So in that sense, uh, it's, it's uh, indicating a sustainable level. Having said that, there are, of course, um, forces uh, pushing in uh, different directions, and uh, therefore... Uh, short term, it can be, again, difficult to predict uh, exactly the development. Let me just mention a, a couple of examples of, of these forces. Uh, an important factor is the, um, uh, our order backlog and the, the strength of it. And this will, of course, fluctuate as we go through uh, the cycles. And in our order backlog, we have orders that were taken in uh, 7, 8, uh, beginning of 9, where the market was very hot and uh, and we had a peak of uh, of margins, so that is part of the the fact that we are building on today in our backlog, and and it is no secret that uh, prices became a bit uh, more under pressure during 2009, and it means that a more recent part of our backlog has a slightly uh, lower contribution margin than older parts of it, so. That is one of the factors that um, what uh, is the age of the backlog that we are actually executing, and it's difficult for me to quantify that for you because it's a mixture, of course, of, of many types of, of contracts with many uh, different uh, types of duration. That That's an important uh, factor. The, the other important aspect is, of course, um, operational um, gearing. Um, how close are we to our... Um, uh, capacity um, utilization and uh, in certain periods where we have been very close to full capacity utilization we will get benefit from operational gearing and as we pass through periods uh, where we uh, have a low activity uh, it will be difficult uh, to maintain the same level so these are a couple of the important factors uh, that are there and uh, will adjust the contribution, uh, Martin, but I can't uh, give you the numbers. 
what they look like in the coming quarters. Again, maybe you want to add? Yeah, with, the, with respect to the margins, uh, I'm very satisfied with, with the increase in the overall contribution margins, and it, it is to all the factors that was mentioned here by, by Hono Rasmussen. But also, I mean, on the, on the mineral side, we are, we are improving in terms of utilizing the strength of the overall FS Mid Group, in particular utilizing our footprint in India when it comes to the engineering part of it, but also the, uh, the uh, improvements uh, or the process that we have uh, embarked on with respect to further improve on the uh, procurement side of the business, trying to centralize. And in general, on the mineral side, taking advantage of the fact that we belong to a bigger group, integrating a lot of the different footprints around the world, in, in making sure that we can do uh, business with less cost involved. With respect to your second question and the Q3 booking, again, I can just say that we are entertaining uh, uh, quite a big inquiry list. You have seen some of our major customers announcing lately some major projects being approved. I'm here thinking in particular about what's, what happens in Peru and, and, and Chile, and those will materialize sooner or later. So overall, it's not a matter of when. It's a, it's a matter of... Uh, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when do they sign on, on the uh, dotted line. And I'm not so sure that the summer has anything to do with that. I think the timing of the fact that there has been some bad news in the uh, global economy, be that uh, the debt crisis in, in Europe, uh, double dip potential in the U.S., and the uh, sl- slowing of the, uh, of the growth in, in China has probably led to a, a certain decision makers to, to uh, take their time before they actually entertain and enter into these major contracts. I will give you one more piece of information on the uh, contribution margin Um, because um, uh, what we can say is that it's uh, not just a question of the uh, uh, sales price level. It's also a question of how you execute. And we have seen a continuing uh, improvement in uh, uh, the way that uh, our group executes uh, our orders. And, and it means that we can see that the variations in the contribution margins will be smaller uh, in the future because even if we pass through a, a, a lower part of the cycle, uh, we will be able to execute in a stronger way and reduce the uh, uh, variations. Okay, thanks. May, may I just follow up on, on one thing? I mean, you gave the, the impact on your revenue line from the, the foreign exchange movement. Could you just help us in terms of how it's benefited your EBIT in this, in this quarter uh, and also, so to speak, your margins? And um, the, the final question is actually about your ambition level in India in terms of, or should we call it your new ambition level with the new um, setup that you are, you're doing there? Factory setup. Thanks. I, I would say that the, the the currency impact that you have seen that we have described in each of the three segments um, really impacts all the way from the top line to the EBIT. So it's not really improving the EBIT margin, but it's improving the EBIT in absolute numbers. When it comes to India, uh, first of all, um, the domestic market is uh, growing uh, by 10% uh, in, the, in cement. Uh, the market uh, is uh, still very strong and up to 280 million tons per year now. Um, and we just foresee that uh, this long-term perspective will still continue. 
the same goes for um, in our minerals business in, in India, especially within coal, because uh, power is a, a big um, uh, there's a big need and demand for power. So uh, there will be build a lot of power plants, and by that also need for coal. Um, so this will just continue as we foresee, and um, and then um, then we will uh, start to make more in-house production. Uh, and that we have uh, two two legs, you can say. We have both a potential, untapped potential for offshoring more to India for the entire organization. And then we have um, then we have the possibility of building up um, more assembly and in-house production. It's also a demand from, from customers many times that uh, they want to have uh, the equipment um, uh, as close as possible. So um, strong potential in India. Uh, last topic from uh, Carnegie with a few uh, questions. Um, one is the orders which were on hold, 2.5 billion of which a billion have uh, come alive again, so to speak. Uh, first of all, I, I wonder uh, when the actual execution of that billion is going to happen. Uh, secondly, if the fact that they come alive will have any uh, impact on your staffing, i.e., will you need to staff up, for instance, on uh, operating uh, expenses also? And, and thirdly, do you see any, what should say, in, in any trend in this? Has anything happened with the reminder 1.5 billion after the end of the quarter? How long is it realistic that you will be dragging on with a portfolio of, of uh, orders being on hold? It's, of course, uh, very positive to see that it is uh, now coming back on track and so far one billion. Uh, we are stopping, so we'll keep fighting for the remaining one and a half also. And uh, we have uh, a strong confidence that it will. But I can't give you any timing uh, at this point. It's uh, continuing uh, negotiations and, um, and, and so far positive developments. Yes, part of it will be executed uh, this year, and that is, you could say, part of the equation that, that goes into the uh, upgrade of our uh, turnover this year also. And um, maybe in minerals, you have something to add there, Christian? Yeah, I think part of your question was also how fast can we execute uh, based on the fact that some of these uh, contracts are, are being lifted in terms of uh, execution. It is so often, it's every time we uh, we talk to a customer when he tells us to, to go ahead, we first have to spend time trying to renegotiate the, uh, the delivery time. And uh, that also tells you that it will take some time to get up in gear. But, but in general, it's, it's positive with respect to the, uh, to the revenue expectations that uh, we will, and that's partly why we in Minerals also opted the, uh, the revenue for the uh, 2010, because some of those on whole orders, we expect that they will flow, flow through the, uh, the top line in, in the year uh, 2010. With respect to resources, we don't need any additional resources to support uh, those projects that uh, came from on hold to, to become alive again. And in terms of uh, the remaining of the unhold uh, on the mineral side, uh, based on the fact that the financing has become more available, I expect that uh, the bulk of the remaining unhold will be released before the end of uh, 2010. But then I don't understand. But if, if you say you're going to execute part of this this year 
and you don't need to staff up yet in your higher guidance there's not a higher margin shouldn't i mean now you're telling me there's a leverage effect here which does not materialize in a higher margin guidance or have you just moved closer to the 9% within that 8 to 9% range let me uh, give you an answer to that. Uh, you should be seen as a relative uh, issue in the sense that you're talking about um, uh, 1 billion compared to uh, an activity level of uh, 20 uh, billion, and only a part of that billion is going, maybe a smaller part, is going to be executed this year. So relatively, this is not going to uh, really influence our uh, resource situation this year. That's how it, it should be seen. That is more um, a general issue. It will be influenced by our um, order intake. And we have uh, passed the point now of, uh, of reductions, and, and we see um, uh, growth uh, in the future, and we will be needing additional resources uh, um, in the future. But uh, it's not influenced in any uh, major way by, by the uh, orders on hold. And then if, if I'm allowed a, a question probably for you, Bjarne, uh, looking at the order backlog of 26.6 billion, how much is the service and maintenance backlog and what is the average duration of that backlog? First of all, we do not uh, uh, guide uh, on how big the order backlog is in, in services. But but um, but it is uh, considerable higher than than it used to be, especially because of the O and M activities. Normally, I mean, uh, when it comes to spare parts, um, when we get an order, it is also executed in the same year, actually. So this is quite fast. Upgrade is a little bit longer, and then of course O and M. Uh, when we take in an O and M contract, it is typical um, of a duration of up to five years. And then uh, maybe a final question, if I'm allowed. That, that's related to the, the recent EPA regulations uh, coming out of the U.S. on uh, emissions, uh, which could, at least according to some observers, trigger a, a, a CapEx requirement of up to a billion U.S. dollars in 2011-2012. Uh, the, the question is, how fast do you see this materializing in terms of actual projects coming up? Uh, are you already in dialogue with customers? How do you see the competitive landscape for that particular type of equipment? And do you think this CapEx will happen at the cost of other CapEx, meaning that orders you would get on, I assume, uh, 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 air filtration systems would cannibalize on other orders you would have had, or will this be orders coming, so to speak, on top of everything else? We see it uh, as an all-positive issue. From all points of view, it will be better for the environment. It will be better for suppliers to the cement industry, just to mention two. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and as we see it, uh, we are very well prepared. So this is, of course, uh, very interesting and very promising for us. We, uh, uh, we formed a group of 11 of our specialists uh, exactly one year ago. Uh, to follow and, and predict what would be the uh, actual uh, levels of emissions. And, and we've also um, been involved in this because we have been advising uh, for the Congress. Uh, of course, they don't want to launch legislation that is not possible uh, to, to, uh, to meet uh, technically. 
uh, and the uh, actual uh, requirements that came out were completely as we expected them to be. They're tough. We're talking about more than 90% reductions in uh, the emissions of, of uh, some important um, uh, pollutants. And we can say that in all these maybe 10 different uh, pollutants where emissions are strengthened that dramatically, we will be able to solve those uh, uh, needs for our customers. Um, timing is, again, uh, the more difficult part. Uh, we have prepared ourselves in the way that we developed a movable laboratory that is now touring the U.S., visiting plants and measuring the actual status uh, of affairs and uh, what needs to be done, evaluating what needs to be done in each plant uh, to, uh, to meet the new requirements. And, of course, there's a, a, a period where uh, the existing plants have uh, permission to prepare for this, some will be faster than others, and yes, it, it might uh, result in closure of some plants, but again, seen from the supplier point of view, it's positive in the sense that you may close down one or two old plants and you'll build a new uh, plant with uh, much higher capacity and uh, a much more advanced technology. So uh, we see this as uh, all positive. We don't see it sort of cannibalizing on, on any existing uh, products. Yes, it's a new opportunity. When will it materialize? We don't know yet. In terms of the competitive landscape on, on that kind of technology, are there players who do not build cement plants who can solve these problems? Uh, are there current competitors within the cement plant construction industry who cannot solve this? How do you see that? We don't see any new uh, entrants uh, because um, uh, we will cooperate with some specialists uh, in, in specific fields, but you need to know the, uh, the, uh, the business intimately. You need to understand the processes in order to be, to be able to solve the emissions. Uh, it's not just sort of removing it uh, out of the stack. It's uh, to ensure that it doesn't get into the stack uh, in the form of processes. And so we don't see any new entrants. I can say for sure that um, our Chinese competitors will not be solving this in the U.S. Yes, hello. Torsten Beck, uh, LD Invest Markets. <clears throat> First of all, um, I saw Hulkem was out this morning with the Q2 result as well. And I noticed that they said they have had some delay on, on capacity expansion. I believe it, it was in India. Could you give us an update on how you see the supply chain, uh, your supply chain um, in the various regions? Yes, um, uh, I'd say that generally uh, we are comfortable with our supply chain uh, as of today. Uh, Many of our key suppliers still have uh, room for expansion. They have um, uh, capacity available uh, uh, as a result of the crisis. So we haven't uh, met any bottlenecks or, or barriers uh, yet. Of course, it will come gradually as, as the um, activity returns. But so far, uh, we, we don't uh, we haven't met any problems, and. Um, uh, of course, there are geographical um, variances uh, between the regions, but um, basically we are sourcing globally, so um, it is uh, not really a, a critical issue either. Yes, India is e extremely hot, but, but um, 
we also import into India and we're expanding our own capacity there. At the same time, as Christian Jepsen mentioned, uh, we are uh, upgrading our uh, global uh, procurement activities and um, we are exactly trying to prepare for some of the problems uh, that we ran into uh, during the last boom that we will be able to, uh, at an earlier stage, predict and prepare for potential bottlenecks in the supply chain. And uh, we are uh, ensuring that we have very close connections with uh, key suppliers, that we have alternative suppliers. And just as we in minerals see the major customers coming to us to supply, um, uh, uh, to secure supply, we are... uh, through dialogue with uh, key suppliers, ensuring the same uh, backwards in our system. Okay, uh, second question, and and going back to margins. Um, You keep your margin guidance uh, on EBIT level um, for both of the the divisions. Um, I was trying to – I was hoping you could give us an idea of – how to make a bridge from the first half of the year and going into the second half of the year? What are um, what factors are you uh, are you taking in? I, I noticed in cement you had a an EBIT margin of ten and a half percent and and guiding around nine. And and if I were to make a bridge, I would say you're assuming some um, positive leverage in in the second half and. Um, Normally, the second half of the year gives a little more reversal of, of contingencies. Um, so I, I was hoping you uh, could give us the negative sides um, uh, on the margin. We don't like to, but I will try. And, of course, there are, um, again, different factors uh, pulling in different directions. You mentioned a couple of the positive ones, and I can confirm that they are there. But there are also negative ones, uh, one being... I mentioned our backlog, and we will, to a larger degree, be uh, executing orders that were taken in through a period with uh, more pressure on the margins than the previous one. So that is one factor. The other factor is mix, and that is very important and, unfortunately, uh, also fairly difficult to predict, at least on the short-term basis, uh, because uh, we have a number of product companies I mentioned. Uh, they are in niche um, activities, and they have uh, higher margin products than the big products. And we've seen uh, a, f- a relatively high proportion of that uh, in the first half. Uh, we can't be certain that this will also be the case in the second half, where we might see, again, some of the bigger products that we have now uh, booked starting to come into the revenue. So these are two factors that uh, play an important role. And apparently, uh, on your assumptions, these are more relevant within the cement industry, uh, the cement segment, than within the mineral segment. And uh, you mentioned mix. Where should we factor in the, the, the service proportion of the revenue in the second half? I believe you had in Q2 around 30 Three percent of the revenue in, in cement uh, coming from service is this going to where twenty five percent for the second half or what, what is your assumptions on that? Generally, uh, I'd say that uh, we don't guide on the uh, guide on the mix, and and it's also uh, very difficult uh, because as uh, Bjarne Malke mentioned uh, on the service side. 
you might have um, uh, orders that are uh, booked in the next months and they are executed in the same months. So the the um, uh, revenue from service uh, in the second half is is difficult to predict. Thank you. Maybe we should at this stage here if there are any questions on the telephone. Thank you. If you have a question, please press star then one on your touchtone phone. Team Rutherford from Goldman Sachs is online with a question. Good afternoon. It's Tim Rutherford here from Goldman Sachs. Uh, I have three questions, um, if I may. Uh, firstly, uh, just in relation uh, to the first half results, you, you highlight a FX uh, currency adjustment in the net interest line. Uh, I was just wondering if you could perhaps quantify that and maybe just give a, a, an indication of what you see as a more normalized uh, quarterly run rate uh, on, on the net interest side. Um, secondly, on, on pricing, um, perhaps you could just comment on uh, what changes you're seeing in terms of the pricing environment. You, you've highlighted that pricing still remains tough in, in the cement side, but if you look at it on a sequential basis, are we seeing further deterioration? And given the improvement in the order intake in the mineral side, are we seeing any sort of improvements in, in pricing there? And then thirdly, um, could you just comment on, you, you made some fairly cryptic comments about balance sheet being strong uh, and, and sort of looking for growth opportunities. Uh, could you just comment in terms of your strategy for sort of organic versus acquisitive growth and where you see opportunities in particular on, on the acquisition side? Thanks. Uh, just before turning to uh, Polytoft and the um, Forex, uh, on the um, pricing uh, issue, um, we have seen, uh, as mentioned, uh, of course, during the crisis, uh, and, uh, pressure on, on pricing, uh, pressure on, on margins. Um, and we see this is, uh, this is still there to some extent. Um, uh, even though we we see a, um, an increase and a positive development in the market activity, one of the reasons, uh, for instance, being that we have taken considerable market shares in cement, and uh, it's expected that uh, some of the other players will react to that and try to defend some of their positions. And I believe that's that's what we part of what we are seeing at present. Um, as to the future, we don't see it uh, getting worse uh, for the near future. On the other hand, not uh, any dramatic improvements either. So uh, we, we believe a status quo uh, in cement uh, for the coming quarters. Maybe Christian could comment on the mineral side. On the mining side, I think what we uh, reported back uh, in the previous quarters was that uh, in terms of the uh, competitive landscape, we saw some certain market players introduce uh, promotional pricing and uh, in order to, among others, to reduce the, uh, the inventory that might have been out there. And uh, I believe it's safe to say now that uh, as we look forward, that the uh, pricing level has now stabilized uh, within, the, uh, within the mining sector. Uh, so in terms of your question, I think going forward, uh, the current pricing level is the one we can expect in the uh, foreseeable uh, future. 
So back to question number one about the FX. Basically, all of the net financial items in Q2 was FX. Um, and it, it really arises because of uh, the hedging that we do with the hedging and, and sort of only the hedging part of a, of a contract is uh, mark to mark, whereas the contract as such will be executed over, let's say, the next three to five quarters. So um, basically, if the currency is stable quarter over quarter, there's no currency changes, there's no impact on the financial lines, so it really swings with um, mainly the dollar and uh, really a lot of currencies currencies have gone up uh, in the second quarter compared to the Danish kroner so um, this is really uh, the way it, uh, the mechanics work And then back to the, um, to the balance sheet and uh, growth um, yes, the, um, what we expect, uh, expressed is the fact that we are in a, in a healthy financial position and it means that we have the ability to, uh, to grow and we intend to. And uh, we are in the market uh, for potential acquisitions. Uh, we we um, uh, do this systematically and we are in contact with potential targets. Uh, we see opportunities both in cement and especially uh, in minerals, which is, of course, a more diversified uh, industry. On the other hand, um, uh, acquisitions is a, is a process that you can't control. Uh, it takes two uh, parties to agree, and we have some fairly strict uh, conditions uh, that needs to need to be fulfilled. And uh, we we don't panic. Um, if the opportunity is there, we'll buy. If not, we'll we'll wait. Um, on the other hand, we also see uh, opportunities for organic growth, and it, it's not really an either-or. We, we have uh, plans and, and intentions in, in both directions, and I mentioned uh, a couple of examples uh, of such organic growth um, in relation to our service centers and our in-house manufacturing. Sang from Xane is online with a question. Um, hello, hi, and this is Su from Exam BNP Paribas. And first of all, congratulations on the results, and it's uh, actually quite good. And uh, the second, uh, the first, we have actually three questions, uh, if I may. Uh, the first one is uh, basically still on the margin. So we understand that you have been giving a lot of comments on, on the different drivers uh, to margins, uh, which can really move in different directions. Um, what I want to ask you is, um, with regards to timing, maybe if you can give us the best guess. Uh, for instance, the mixed change, um, when it will start to be, uh, let's say, positive again on margin, because we understand maybe in the second half of the year, uh, mixed change is still not a favorable driver uh, we should be looking at. Uh, is it uh, as understanding correct? Um, then operating leverage, um, is it going, when is it likely to be a positive factor? Um, my understanding is it more likely to be in 2011 versus 2010. We understand that it's, of course, quite difficult to look at the uh, quarterly trend, but maybe just give us um, what kind of timing you see uh, on a yearly basis. And maybe the kind of low margin orders, 
um, that you're talking about uh, and re- uh, that, that you received in 2009 and uh, a bit in 2010. Um, when do you think that the negative uh, wave, weight on margin can sort of expire? Is it going to be 2012, 2013? Um, so um, that's my first question. Thank you. It's a tough question um, because it's uh, very difficult for us to quantify, but um, we'll try to, to give you uh, some indications. I think um, uh, the uh, operational leverage is um, um, probably the simpler part of it. It will uh, we will see a, uh, we expect a constant uh, um, positive development uh, in that um, uh, going forward, but. Um, not in, in any dramatic uh, way. Uh, we expect uh, 12 uh, to be better than 11 uh, based on the uh, order intake uh, over the, uh, these, uh, these quarters. Uh, regarding the, the backlog, um, the, you say the remaining part from the uh, sort of boom years will be um, uh, executed over uh, the remaining part of 2010 and 2011. So going into 2012, uh, that that will be uh, history. Uh, mix is uh, is the most difficult part of it because there, there can be, as mentioned, very short-term variations coming in from uh, services uh, orders that appear tomorrow and are executed the day after tomorrow. Uh, this can can influence the situation. So it's. Uh, and, and then combining the three of them, it will be very difficult uh, uh, for you to put this um, uh, in an Excel uh, sheet. Uh, it's very difficult to quantify, but I've tried to indicate some of the, uh, some of the um, uh, factors. Thank you very much for that. Uh, the second question is still on India. Um, um, specifically, do you see higher risk of project postponement? Uh, because of uh, the market dynamics there, uh, weak pricing, overcapacity uh, in coming quarters um, than before. And uh, how much of your cement backlog uh, is in India today? Thank you. Regarding uh, product postponement, uh, we see this as a decreasing problem uh, reflected in the fact that we've uh, taken back, uh, as mentioned, one billion. Uh, that was on hold. Of course, there will always be postponements for different reasons. Uh, a customer may be delayed on internal uh, parts of the product. Uh, there could be uh, issues in relation to the authorities. So postponements are always there, but uh, everything else being equal, we expect it to come down over the coming uh, quarters. Regarding the uh, backlog in India, Okay. I don't think we guide on this. Thanks. Okay. Okay. No problem. Um, just a, just the um, first part of my question is actually also on India. So to be to be specifically, um, is it higher risk of a project deferral or postponement in India in coming quarters? Uh, maybe I de- didn't hear your question. Actually, was the question that. Do we have higher risk on postponement in orders in India? We, no, we don't see we don't see that. Okay, okay, very nice. Maybe the, the, my last question uh, is about uh, unannounced orders. Uh, we understand the large orders are are, are, are 
quite difficult to predict. But uh, in terms of unannounced orders in coming uh, quarters, is there uh, some somewhat better visibility there? Do you generally see an uptrend, uh, let's say, in the second half of this year? The number of uh, the portion of our unannounced orders is again a combination of a, a number of different factors. Uh, again, the mix uh, plays a role because if we have an increase um, in service activities, uh, it will generally mean that uh, we have a larger portion of unannounced orders because they are typically uh, smaller in service. Um, so. Um, I can't guide for you uh, how we see the uh, the level uh, for the, the coming quarters. Um, what we can say is that um, uh, there are some tendencies uh, where we, we see uh, increasing uh, size of orders. Um, in, in India, we've introduced our uh, full scope where we try to get a larger proportion. It could influence the, the, um, um, the split. Also in minerals, we are actively uh, promoting our uh, systems uh, ideas and our uh, contracts of islands of uh, different products. And everything else being equal, this will again um, drive up the average uh, order uh, size. Thank you very much. Johan Eliasson from Chevro is online with a question. Yeah, I, um, I just have one question about this extra capex. You're saying it's going into service centers and some uh, manufacturing capacity in, in China. And I was just wondering about this manufacturing capacity. Is that um, uh, more in-house spare parts manufacturing or, or are the, it's, uh, is it for some core components? It's a combination. Um, we are uh, we stick to our uh, basic rule, which is that we uh, are based on uh, light assets. It means that we will continue uh, to have a risk profile where um, the majority, say 80% or so, of our manufacturing is outsourced. We're not going to change that because we see it as an important part of our risk profile uh, not to be... Um, uh, dependent uh, upon very huge uh, uh, fixed assets. So that's that's one point to make. Having said that, we will gradually increase our in-house manufacturing capacity, but we'll do it in areas where we um, feel that we uh, are uh, confident in a continuing uh, need, and that is, as you mentioned, typically spare parts. But there are also some uh, key components and here there might be a strategic aspect in the sense that, uh, for instance, uh, we are sourcing increasingly out of China, and to protect our uh, IP rights, uh, we uh, source uh, some key components uh, in-house uh, in our own uh, workshop in China in order not to hand out the drawings. So both the existing uh, manufacturing facilities in China and those that we are going to expand in India will be manufacturing uh, components that are spare parts and certain uh, key components also for new plant. And we are expanding both places. We are doubling the capacity that we at present have in, in China, and we are then uh, uh, building uh, new in India. So I hope that answered. Yeah, 
is it uh, mainly minerals or is it uh, cement or can it be used for both? It's uh, in both industries. And that's the beauty that this is really an area where we can integrate and uh, obtain synergies. Excellent. Thank you very much. Last question is from Klaus Kiel from Nykredit Markets. Yes, hello, uh, Klaus Kiel from Nykredit Markets. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Perfect. Um, First of all, a question related to uh, to the market activity. Um, could you try to describe uh, what is happening in both uh, Brazil and Russia uh, lately? It's my impression that uh, yeah, there's a lot of activity. Um, yeah, just to hear your thoughts about these markets. And secondly, um, related to um, to the financials here in Q2, uh, Paul Softer mentioned that uh, the net financials was uh, negatively affected by hedging of contracts. Uh, due to the uh, yeah the rising U.S. dollar, but since uh, Q2 the U.S. dollar has uh, gone down again, so should we then expect a positive uh, positive net financials in Q3, assuming that the U.S. dollar stays at the current level? Thank you very much. Thank you. Regarding Brazil and Russia, they are both uh, very important uh, markets to us. Um, if we take uh, in cement, I can say that uh, Russia is actually our single largest uh, portion in the order backlog uh, today, uh, where we execute six major uh, products in Russia. Um, we still see um, uh, a considerable need for the future. Uh, the, the conversion of the outdated uh, capacity uh, has hardly begun yet, so that is still in the pipeline. And uh, eventually there will also be economic growth, uh, meaning an additional need. It's been um, put on hold, so to speak, uh, because uh, Russia was hit hard by the financial crisis, and it is one of the uh, large markets where we still see uh, the uh, biggest difficulties in uh, getting financing. But uh, the, there's definitely customer interest. Uh, we are in dialogue with uh, uh, Russian cement customers that are eager to move on but have financing difficulties. Sooner or later, this will uh, come back on track. So we have uh, long-term very positive expectations for Russia and so for minerals. Christian Jefferson can comment that in a, in a minute. And the same goes for Brazil. Again, it's important for uh, both our industries, I mentioned the uh, uh, order that we took for Water and Tim, and we see that it's just as the beginning uh, of uh, new possibilities in Brazil. We are at the beginning of a new boom, and uh, we are now going to design uh, five cement plants there, but um, I can say that uh, the, the plants uh, in the pipeline are uh, several times that number of uh, new plants in Brazil. So, yes, this is a, uh, also a very promising market for us. And, and, of course, in both these countries, this is not something that's going to stop in three to five years. We see this as really long-term opportunities. We're prepared for it. We have... Um, gathered all our uh, minerals and cement activities in new offices in, in Moscow. Uh, we have done the same in, in Brazil, where we've just uh, built new offices um, in, actually, Botran Tim, uh, which is uh, a suburb uh, outside um, Sao Paulo. 
And there we have merged both the cement and minerals activities and, and are building up the organization. And maybe Christian could add something. From the mineral side of the business, talking about Brazil in particular, I mean, the, uh, the healthy uh, growth rates that we see in Brazil uh, is, is uh, deemed to, to continue for a while. And, the, uh, the, again, the FIFA World Cup, the Olympics are supposed to drive the need for, for infrastructure that, again, will drive uh, some of the metals in, in Brazil. But predominantly in Brazil, uh, you talk about Valley as the, uh, the main player, and they were out not too long ago, I believe, stating that their capex uh, in the coming years is now being upped to around $15 billion. And uh, for Valley in particular, being one of the world's exporters in iron ore, we see, uh, you know, we expect more activity, in particular in the iron ore industry in, uh, in uh, Brazil. And we also look towards uh, an increasing uh, uh, demand for, for copper uh, that is to be found in Brazil. And if nickel starts to pick up again, uh, I would assume that there will be an additional interest in expanding nickel capacity in, in, in Brazil. With respect to Russia, I mean, the good news there is evidenced by the announcement in the second quarter on the gold project. And uh, those are, uh, gold is definitely one of the industries in Russia where we, uh, in the future, see uh, additional activity. Russia, is, as you might know, has everything in the ground in terms of uh, metals. And, uh, again, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when uh, Russia is starting to explore and extract uh, those uh, those uh, minerals uh, off the ground over there. So, again, as Huno Rasmussen said, we are continuing uh, reinforcing our uh, footprint in uh, Moscow and also other parts of uh, Russia uh, going forward. On the financial item, yes. <laughs> and yes, meaning, yes, we will have a positive income on the financial item if uh, currencies stay where they are today. Then a, perhaps a, a follow-up question, uh, Uno, you mentioned that uh, the Russian clients are, are still negatively affected by uh, the financial crisis and find it difficult to, to get financing. But um, if we look at the orders on hold, um, they have gone, uh, yeah, you have seen a positive reversal of $1 billion. Would it be fair to assume that uh, a major part of that is actually related to, uh, to Russia? No. They are not related to, uh, to Russia. Those that came back were not in Russia. Can you say where they then are uh, yeah, related? Um, no. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. If there are no more questions on the phone, maybe uh, an additional question in the room. Yes? This last topic from Carnegie again. Just speaking of Russia, the master group order you signed 28th of April, is that in the backlog? All contracts that we've signed are, uh, are in the backlog. Uh, some of them are on hold. Um, we don't comment on uh, them specifically. But th this one you commented specifically on the 28th of April that it was signed but not in the backlog oh, uh, yet. Sorry, uh, sorry. I, I thought it was an announced order. No, uh, there's, there's been no development since then we would have announced. Is that subject to, is that due to finance, financing problems or is it just, you know, the normal delay which might take place between signing and, and installment of the first prepayment? 
we do not go into those sort of details uh, during uh, contacts and negotiations. Okay, if there are no more questions, thank you for your interest.